What is BYU's bowl situation in their final season of independence going to look like? I figured I'd ask the guy who would know. ESPN Events Vice President Clint Overby joins me on today's edition of Locked On Cougars. We'll also break down everything else that's happening in BYU sports all week long. Been a lot of news we haven't got a chance to get to quite yet. We'll get to all that as well as another player profile. One of the top players of the independent era from the early days of independence. We'll get to all that ahead on today's show. You are Locked On Cougars, your daily podcast on BYU Cougars, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into Locked On Cougars, your daily podcast focused on the BYU Cougars. My name is Jay Catch. I am your host here, your resident BYU insider. By way of introduction, for those of you who may be checking us out for the very first time, I am the executive producer of DJ and PK in the morning on the Zone Sports Network in Salt Lake City, Utah. And a huge thank you for making us your first listen of the day here on Locked On Cougars. Very proud to be part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where, of course, the motto is your team every day. And as such, this is your only daily podcast focused on the BYU. BYU Cougars. So thank you for checking us out. We're free and available wherever you get your podcasts, YouTube, uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, everywhere. Uh, if you happen to watch, happen to be watching this on YouTube, I'm pointing down to the right corner here. Hit that button, subscribe, enable, enable notifications, comment, like, share, do all the things that help us build this audience. You guys have been phenomenal in the, just over a month we've been on YouTube so far. Looking forward to continuing to build that side of this podcast, kind of a new thing we've launched on April Fool's Day of all days, April 1, but just over a month in and absolutely loving being in the video space. I'm getting more and more comfortable being on camera. See, look at me, got my little hat wall up behind me here. I'm in my studio at my house that I have built essentially from scratch. Uh, maybe one day I'll get a mobile camera and show you exactly what I built out, uh, but it's a really, really fun venture to be talking BYU sports with you guys every single day here, so thank you for taking the time to check us out. Uh, make sure to follow the show on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Search out Locked On Cougars. Just search Locked On Cougars on any of those platforms. It'll pop right up. Love interacting with you guys. And if you want to follow my work, it happens to be a lot of BYU stuff, but a lot of Utah Jazz and a whole lot of other different sports takes across the whole spectrum of the sports world. Well, you can follow me. I'm at Jacob C. Hatch on Twitter. Alright, getting going on today's show, and BYU is going into their final year of independence. And what we're going to be doing over the next now it's going to be 12 weeks beyond this as week by week I'm going to have a guest on from BYU's football opponents this season in order. So next week we'll talk to USF we'll go from there. Baylor the week after that etc etc etc. Getting us ready in the lead up to fall camp and the start of the football season. Well, I figured, you know what? I got an extra week here to work with. Why don't I find out what the bowl situation is for BYU? So I reached out to ESPN, and they were gracious enough to let me interview ESPN Vice President, uh, ESPN Events Vice President Clint Overby. He is the guy that's over the. 17 or so bowl games that ESPN will put BYU in one of those this coming season should the Cougars exceed six wins and also should they not be in the college football playoff or New Year's six bowl games themselves. So you know what? Let's without without further ado, let's dive on in. This was recorded over the weekend. I've been holding on to it, getting it ready. I've actually been uh, video editing. By the way, I'm very good with audio editing. It's part of my daily job. It literally my day to day life. I edit hours of audio. 
for my radio show. Video editing is a whole new thing for me. I'm very much neophyte in this realm, but I got the clips put together. So without further ado, here is Clint Overby speaking with myself about BYU's bowl situation. Can you kind of give BYU fans an idea of what this all entails, being a part of an ESPN event bowl game? Sure, Jake. Appreciate that. And, and listen, we've had a great relationship with BYU for as long as I can remember. I've been with the company for, for 20 plus years, and, and our relationship with BYU has always been outstanding. Their administration, their coaches, their fan base have always been great to work with. So we, we appreciate the relationship and the longstanding connection we've had with the institution. In terms of our, our, our immediate relationship during this current bowl cycle, which runs from 2021 to 2026, uh, we have BYU as part of our bowl mix because they're an independent. They can sign agreements with, with, with respective bowl games that aren't in the CFP world. So we have a relationship with BYU where we can take them three years over the six-year term. Now, obviously, they're going to be switching conferences at some point, so that will negate part of that. But for this year, when they're still an independent, they can be part of our lineup, which – we own and operate 17 bowl games, six of them in the FBS world. Uh, so th- there's quite a diversity of opportunities within our lineup that BYU is afforded. Um, and we've worked with, with the AD coaching staff, uh, the entire administration, on making sure we find the right fit for BYU uh, in the postseason. Now, when it comes to these bowl games, I think a lot of people wonder, okay, you, you mentioned that you go to any one of these bowl, any any one of the number of bowl games underneath you guys' purview as a member of ESPN events. Can you kind of glean some insight or share some insight on, as to how you guys go about that? Is that essentially you guys slot these bowl games out due to the bowl affiliations with other conferences and then BYU slots in somewhere along the way? What happens in that process? It's a collaborative process, Jake. We weren't, you know, it's, it's not, we just make an arbitrary decision and, and plug someone in, which certainly doesn't do us any good and doesn't do the institution any good to do that. We certainly take a look at, at geography, at matchup, you know, all of it to make sure we're finding the right fit with respect to uh, the, the, the game itself. So we're, we're, we're looking at a lot, certainly looking at record to make sure we're putting together a matchup that makes sense. We don't want, and, you know, and I'm making up the, the records, a 9-3 and three BYU up against a 6-6 six and six team from, you know, the AAC, as an example. We want to make sure that the matchups are equitable. And, again, for the most part, want to make sure it's in a location where fans either want to go, which could be a lot of things, or it's close enough for them to drive to. And I know those aren't always the same, but certainly finding a location that people want to go to and can get to is always, is always the desired outcome. That is the interesting part about this. I've always thought bowl games that were within driving distance seem to fare well. And it doesn't, it's not just BYU. I feel like if you can get a fan base where they're in driving distance or it's relatively easy travel for them, it seems to have a net positive impact on the bowl attendance. Is that what you guys have seen in your history too? Yeah, that's certainly one of it. You know, BYU is one of those national programs that the fan bases tend to be in other pockets of the country. So it's not always just about the drivable distance. It's about where the fans are as well. Uh, but, yes, there, there's no doubt when there is some sort of geographic proximity. And this isn't a perfect science, Jake, by any stretch. But when we can do that, that is almost always well received. BYU, as you mentioned, has got a national brand. They've got uh, members of the LDS faith, which is the the institution that sponsors BYU. They're all over the country. And when it comes to that, do you guys uh, look at that as any part of the, I guess, formula that goes into deciding where you might slot BYU? Of course, right? I mean, we're we're certainly, again, I I made made the point earlier, Mm -hmm. 
we take a look at the national brand aspect of someone like a BYU and factor that into where they might work geographically or within a certain matchup, but certainly, right? There you go. Part one with Clint Overby, vice president of ESPN Events. We'll get to more of that here in a moment. We'll talk more about the reputation of BYU and Clint's opinion. Also, a little bit more about BYU in terms of their brand, uh, what his overall role with ESPN Events is, and also some thoughts on BYU Hoops and what they are as a property for ESPN as well. We'll get to all that here momentarily. First, though, today's podcast is brought to you in part by our friends over at BetOnline. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all of this betting stats and sports information needs that you can handle uh, any sport under the sun. I, I mean this sincerely. You want to bet on Croatian Super League hoops? I'm sure that, I'm not even sure that's what the name of the Croatian Pro League is, but they got it for you guys. ACB over there, the Euro League, NBA, they got it all for you. Major League Baseball season, obviously getting ready for the run to the roses with the Kentucky Derby this weekend. So check it out, my friends. The basketball playoffs are ongoing. For all the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, check out our friends at betonline.net. They are your continued source for all of your sports wagering information from live betting to the playoffs, esports, and more. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action available to you now. That's all thanks to our friends over at Bet Online, where the game starts. Thank you once again for making Locked On Cougars your first listen of the day. Always love when you guys take the time to check us out and make sure you guys join us every day. That's the biggest thing. Is My goal with this podcast is to make you guys the smartest BYU fans out there. The way to do that, listen every day. And as I am fond of saying for a long time on this podcast, going on four years of doing it, actually four plus years of doing it, I like to say I want to make you guys the smartest BYU fans in the room. Well, your secret weapon is this podcast. I hope you share it with your friends and family. But hey, if you want to keep it a secret, do your thing. All right, more with Clint Overby now. I had a chance to talk with him more about the brand for BYU and just kind of their overall uh, cachet nationally, especially when it comes to ESPN. So here's more from Clint. You know, it's a great question. I think that goes to culture, Jake, I think, you know, and, and I won't speak to the culture of Utah because I'm not familiar with the entire state, but but certainly the culture of BYU is always very friendly uh, and accommodating. And, and anytime you have a partner who's friendly and accommodating, it, it just makes business that much easier. So uh, I've always been appreciative of the way BYU approaches business because we've we found ways to mutually benefit each other through the years. And, and so I think that the specialness of the relationship is built on a foundation of just being equitable in the approach. And I've always appreciated that. It's been a decade plus of BYU being a football independent that entire time they've had those contracts with ESPN. Can you kind of speak to the impact just BYU has had for the uh, television properties at ESPN and just in your case with ESPN events? Well, certainly. I mean, I, and I can only speak for ESPN events because that's where my direct knowledge is. But anecdotally, I can certainly suggest that, again, the, the, the following of BYU has always been a positive from a programming standpoint on our larger network platforms. From, a, from an events perspective, again, I go back to what I said earlier, the ability to have a relationship where I can pick up the phone and have a very honest and fruitful conversation with the leadership at BYU and come to it an opportunity that, that benefits the student athletes and the fans and the administration and still provides value back to ESPN, it, it's always been a win-win proposition. So um, at any given time, whether it's bowl games, basketball events, we've had we've had your neutral site events, right? We've had we had BYU against Arizona in Las Vegas this year, where we had Correct. at the time, and we hope to continue this, the largest the largest collegiate crowd to ever watch a game in in the state of Nevada, right? With BYU Arizona. So again, we 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 look very favorably upon that kind of relationship. 
Uh, let's ask that brings up an inter- interesting question. I, I hadn't anticipated asking this. I had forgotten that ESPN events ran that game down there at Legion Stadium between the Wildcats and the Cougars. Can you speak to how those type of games come to be, if that makes sense? Sure. Um, <laughs> they come together sometimes through luck, quite frankly. Okay. All but, right. but ultimately, you're looking for two teams to have a common need with respect to their schedule. And, and looking for games in that opening week, you're going to have teams who want to find opportunities to play high-end, high-quality matchups. And, and we as a company, we as a division, certainly are desirous of that as well. So that game, I think, was created back in shoot, 2015, 2014, a long time ago. Yeah, it was a so part of the game series, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. It was. It was a home-and-home and home a neutral. That, that's correct. So sometimes you just get fortunate when those kinds of things start to get set up, Jake. It, it just materializes naturally. But sometimes we have to manufacture those games by physically going to the school and talking about years that they might be available, that we can create the opening. And we've certainly done that before, too. It is. I would assume, and this is just my assumption, this is going beyond BYU in a way, but it involves the Cougars. When you approach these schools, I would imagine most of them are pretty receptive to at least hearing what you guys are pitching in terms of, hey, we have X opponent maybe in this type of a venue, et cetera. Yeah, I think it depends on what the individual school is looking for because not every institution is looking at their scheduling mix the same way. Some schools desire the exposure that comes with the neutral site game. They really desire that, and so it makes that conversation easier. Some some schools, some institutions, they may be looking for a, a different scheduling mix, so maybe that's not what they're looking for. That's not that's not necessarily important to them. So it just it just depends. Um, we tend to focus on those schools, those institutions where we know the exposure is important to them and we know their fan bases have a history of, of being very engaged with respect to neutral events. Does BYU rate fairly highly in that respect, just in terms of their overall interest in that type of stuff? Yes, no, no doubt. And again, BYU, going back to my original comments on this, BYU has been very open-minded through the years in, in looking at opportunities to advance the brand and advance opportunities for their student-athletes and their coaches. And I think that's a very progressive view uh, from a scheduling standpoint. And I'm not suggesting you can't have a conservative mix and still be successful, right? But I think BYU, by being independent, has had to be more aggressive or progressive in their view of, of scheduling options. There you go. So some very interesting comments from Clint. And you can tell that he is a fan of BYU being willing to play those neutral side games like the Arizona game this past year. I would imagine watching, no, that's not going to be the case. Uh, Notre Dame, it's under the Notre Dame contract. It's a Shamrock Series game. But uh, regardless, BYU, I think their willingness to play those neutral side games, I'm, I'm just going to guess here. And I, I Trust me, I'm going to play the entire interview. I'm going to actually put it up as a bonus episode of the podcast later on this week or probably over the weekend maybe with Clint in that interview. You. We never got uh, any inside quote intel on this, but I would imagine that BYU's relationship with ESPN, even moving into the Big 12, is going to benefit them in regards to ESPN helping them put together some maybe high-profile early season matchups, non-conference matchups. Think about uh, playing an SEC, an ACC, a Big 10 opponent, uh, whether it's at BYU or on the road. They'll help broker those, those games because BYU has been a long and proud partner of the worldwide leader. All right, I wanted to play one more uh, part of this interview with Clint Overby, and like I said, I'm 
going to put the entire interview up on a bridge to uh, put it all up for you guys. It was nearly 20 minutes in all. We'll put that up later this week. But wanted to get to one more part with this, kind of some odds and ends on BYU football. Uh, Clint's role with ESPN Events is the vice president of that arm of ESPN. And then also some thoughts on BYU hoops. So here you go, part three with Clint Overby, vice president of ESPN Events. Let me know if I'm overstepping my bounds in asking this question, but BYU has had two very high-profile seasons the last two years, 11 wins during the 2020 campaign and then 10 wins this past year, and nationally ranked in both of those seasons. In your uh, experience, has that yielded more conversations about potential neutral site stuff for BYU moving forward. And like I said, if, if, I, if it's beyond what you can speak to, let me know. But I just wonder if their kind of jump up back into the national consciousness in a way in the past two years has maybe yielded more interest for them. Um, I can't speak to conversations outside of what I would have okay. traditionally, but I, I'm engaged with the administration on a fairly regular basis, Jake probably more so than other schools, quite frankly. Um, so I, I would just tell you that even, and not that they want this, by the way, but even if they were six and six, I think we still be having the same level of conversations. Okay. Okay, that, that that makes a lot of sense. I appreciate you kind of filling me in on that front. Okay, so now as you uh, as you go about managing all these different events, I guess this is just more of a personal question. How much travel does this entail for you personally? More than I ever thought I would. Okay. Um, it's 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 a fair amount, and 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 I again I view that as part of the fortunate part. I, there's a sacrifice to it in terms of not being home when you want to be home, or not you know certainly missing things with your children and your families. Um, but I, I also view my role in as being, I, I need to be in these markets that 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 we that we do business, and you, you can't be an absentee landlord if you're going to have, be in this kind of business. So um, I take. You know, I, I take the, the relationship seriously. I take the opportunity seriously. And um, I, I appreciate the opportunity to be in these different markets and engage with our various stakeholders that, that help us make our, our business work. In terms of the scope, how many bowl games does your division run on an annual basis? We own and operate 17 bowl games. We own and operate, and I'll, I'll advance the question, uh, we own and operate 10 or 11 basketball events, depends on the year, uh, five or six early season football games, a major softball event. Uh, we're, we're looking to expand the business all the time. So we're, 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 we're in growth mode as far as, <laughs> as, far as, I, as I stated to our team. And keeps you busy, obviously, I, I would imagine, because you're trying to stay on top of all of it at the same time. Yeah, you try to keep the current business successful and, and, and moving along. At the same time, you had to add to it to add to those 400, 400 programming hours that you mentioned earlier or the 800,000 fans that you're bringing in directly. So you're, you're always looking to expand that. Uh, I guess the last thing BYU, as I, I meant to ask this earlier, and I apologize for kind of back backtracking in a way, but the BYU basketball side of things, you mentioned you guys run those uh, basketball events. Does BYU basketball have the same type of pull for you guys, ESPN events that maybe BYU football does, or is it different in a way? Well, sport, you know, the, the sports are different, right? You know, with, with football, you need the aggregation of fan bases to make neutral events or bowl games work. You don't need the same scale for basketball. Uh, but, but BYU basketball has always been a great brand for us. You know, we, we had them in the, in the Phil Knight event up in Portland, Oregon this past year. And uh, we have them out in the Diamond Head here in a couple of years. And we've got, I mean, we've got them scattered throughout our business in a couple of spots. So certainly geographically, um, BYU fits for us very, very well, certainly west of kind of that mountain range, so to speak. But, but I think overall, 
basketball has been a great component for us through the years with BYU. There you go. Clint Overby, so some great thoughts, and you can tell that ESPN absolutely adores and appreciates BYU being the partner that they are. And uh, I can speak to this because I've talked with another, enough other folks who are associated with ESPN or have been associated with ESPN. They very much value the partnership they have had with BYU for many, many years, and most recently, obviously, the decade-plus-long tenure in independence. And now as BYU gets ready to go to the Big 12 beginning next year, I don't think that relationship with ESPN is going to go anywhere. It's one of those things that's just it's ingrained with BYU football and it's not it's not going to die. Let's be very, very uh, frank about that. All right. Coming up here in a moment, we'll catch up with the other news in BYU sports. It's been a busy week and a number of other facets with the Cougars. But real quick, a reminder for you guys, make sure to check out the Locked On Big 12 podcast. I had an opportunity this week to do two different episodes, Locked On Big 12 Roundtable that I'm a part of with Josh Neighbors. Really fun stuff. I want to encourage you guys to check those out. Uh, they're free and available wherever you get your podcasts, just like this one. All right, time now to talk a little bit more about the other sports in BYU this week. Let's start off with a BYU football and our player spotlight here. And what we've been doing is we've been doing the top 50 players of the, I call them old timers, but our good friend Tricky Tanner actually had a very good uh, suggestion. And uh, Tricky T is on Twitter, at uh, Tricky T. And Tanner suggested uh, the old timers thing. I thought it might have been a little denigrating or offensive to some. So he says he's called the non-independent era players. So we're going, that's what we'll go with. But today we talk about one of the top 50 players from the independent era for BYU, and we're talking about one of the hardest-hitting safeties in recent memory, and that is our good friend Craig Bills, a product of Timview High School in Provo. I thought Craig Bills was destined to play in the NFL. Injuries ultimately um, ended his dreams of playing at the next level, but that did not take away from what he did in a BYU uniform. Uh, many of you might recall Craig Bills. He played for BYU, actually played a lot before his, before his mission in 2009, served a mission for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints during 2010 and 2011 as BYU made the transition to independence and came back to be a prominent player in the early years of the independent era for BYU. For his career, he garnered a, whole, a grand total of 198 total tackles. Uh, 2013 as a junior, he had his most in a single season with 78 total tackles. Uh, 67 of those 198 were unassisted tackles. Also had three tackles for loss, 14 pass breakups in his career, two forced fumbles, and also five interceptions. A very, very impressive player, and like I said, injuries, I was, believe it was concussion issues uh, late in his career really kind of precluded him from really playing at the next level, but I always enjoyed watching Craig Bills play. He was just one of those guys who was like a human heat-seeking missile, it felt like. He just would absolutely come downhill and just level opposing players. And uh, Craig was one of those dudes, I remember watching him in high school ranks playing for Timview, and he just looked like he was destined for stardom, and that's what he was for BYU. I don't have any problem saying that. 6'1", 210 pounds, a well-put-together player, and it's one of those what-if things. If he stays healthy, has doesn't have the uh, injury concerns that he had in his BYU career, what could he have done at the next level? It's one of those things you look at and say, okay, wonder what might have been different. But Craig Bills, number 44 in our all-independent era uh, breakdown here. We're going top 50 of the non-independent era and, of course, the top 50 from the independent era. We'll flip back over to the uh, non-independent guys, the top players outside of the independent era for BYU on tomorrow's show. Now on to other news involving uh, BYU sports. Talk about BYU basketball for a moment. I'm hearing more and more about Rudy Williams. I am all but expecting him to announce a commitment at any point, and whether uh, you're listening to this after he's announced it on social media, potentially, 
potentially. I'm just giving you what I've got at the current time when I record this episode. And it sounds like Rudy Williams is all but a BYU Cougar. Now, the other factor in all this is what is the status with Antoine Davis, the transfer from Mercy, the guy, uh, Detroit Mercy, who was just an absolute scoring machine. I am hearing actually very, very good positive feedback about BYU's chances of landing him. Now, if you get Rudy Williams, who is a high-level shooter in terms of his percentage and his efficiency, uh, with a guy like Antoine Davis, who is just an absolute bucket getter, a guy can just go score. He maybe doesn't have the best percentages, but he just scores at a high clip. You maybe have the most potent backcourt in BYU basketball recent memory. Uh, I'm going back to the Jimmer for that era. Like in terms of the ability to score the basketball, Antoine Davis might be the most pure scorer since Jimmer was suiting up for BYU over a decade ago. He is lights out and. I'm hearing the BYU is actually very much more in the mix than I originally anticipated they might be in what I was hearing before he came on his visit. We'll see how it all pans out, but good things are happening there. Uh, also, keep an eye on two big men that BYU is tracking a little bit. Uh, keep an eye on UMKC, the University of Missouri at Kansas City, uh, forward Josiah Alec. Uh, he ha- has or will be soon visiting BYU. He's six foot eight, 240 pounds, uh, almost seems like a like-for-like replacement for a guy like Caleb Lohner, but maybe a little bit bigger, but also more production. Uh, He averaged 12.9 points per game last season for the Kangaroos. Yes, the UMKC Kangaroos, one of the best nicknames in all of college basketball. Let me just put that there as an aside. It also had a 15-point-per-game average as a sophomore the year before that. He is a junior, so he'd have a year, essentially be a senior, and also a COVID year to play with the BYU, and that's kind of more than what BYU is looking for in the transfer portal. They want guys who can come in and avoid just playing the one year. You're going to take guys like Rudy Williams and Antoine Davis for the one year, considering they're just prolific scorers. But if you can find guys who you think can develop and also help be a part of the transition to the Big 12, well, a guy like Josiah Alec is one of those guys to keep an eye on. Like I said, he either has visited BYU or will be soon visiting BYU. I know he's uh, reportedly going to visit Oklahoma this weekend, but keep an eye on that. And also, IUPUI big man Chooks Isitua. Hopefully I'm pronouncing that correctly. I have no idea uh, how to pronounce it correctly. He is a native of Lagos, Nigeria, played his high school ball in Texas, a former three-star prospect. Uh, he seems like an intriguing prospect because he's more of an Atiki Ali Atiki type. Triple A, long lean uh, player who can I think develop into something. I think uh, Chuk Isitua, if he picked BYU, would actually be a very, very nice compliment for a guy like Triple A at that center position for BYU. So two names to keep an eye on moving forward here in the transfer portal for BYU. Josiah Alec and uh, hopefully I'm pronouncing it correctly, Chooks Isitua. And I'm, uh, even if I'm not pronouncing it correctly, I hope that's how it's pronounced because that's a fun name to say. All right. Uh, other news we need to get to before we go here, uh, moving along here, BYU women's tennis senior Leia Haymuli, senior Anastasia Abramian, and freshman Bobo Huang were uh, received West Coast Conference honors earlier this week. Haymuli received singles honorable mention honors, while Abramian and Huang received doubles honorable mention honors. Congratulations to all three of those athletes. On the diamond, a courtesy of five home runs yesterday, BYU softball defeated Utah Valley University 10-5 at Wolverine Softball Field. Uh, the Cougars are now 35-10 on the season. They're absolutely rolling. The issue is, is they are uh, headed to Stockton, California this weekend for three games against Pacific. They lost two games to LMU earlier on this season. They're 7-2 and two in West Coast Conference play. LMU needs to lose at least twice down the stretch here to let BYU win another conference tournament title. BYU is in no danger of missing out on the regional because their record and their RPI would get them into the as a not-large bid, but they have a nice streak of conference championships rolling. They've actually never not won the WCC championship since it became a softball conference. Conference. 
be an interesting upset for LMU to take that away from the Cougars. But BYU got a big opportunity this weekend out there at Pacific, sweep all three of those games, and essentially just put the pressure on LMU to keep winning and keep pace along the way. Also, congratulations to senior Marissa Chavez. She was named West Coast Conference Player of the Week earlier this week for BYU softball. BYU baseball beat Cal State Fullerton 10-5 at Goodwin Field in Fullerton, California. That was Tuesday. And now BYU will open up a big three-game series at Pepperdine in Malibu today. 3 o'clock Pacific time, 4 o'clock Mountain time in the first matchup, first pitch down there in Malibu. Uh, Pepperdine is one of the most picturesque uh, universities in the entire country. BYU leaving the WCC, that is one of the downgrades in terms of going to the Big 12. You're trading Malibu and LA and uh, Spokane, whatever. But you're trading California for the likes of Ames, Iowa. And nothing is Ames, Iowa, but it ain't Malibu, California. Let's be frank about that. But Congratulations to BYU Baseball on that win over Cal State Fullerton, who has actually won the national championship in the last five to seven years, if I'm not mistaken. So a big win there, and now a big matchup with the Pepperdine Waves in three games this weekend. And then finally, BYU Men's Golf got the good news earlier this week. They will be playing on in the postseason. They were selected to play in the Stockton Regional of the NCAA Championships that will be taking place from May 15th to the 18th. It is hosted by West Coast Conference foe Pacific. Uh, I don't think uh, Pacific actually made the field, but the Cougars will square off against a loaded field including the likes of top-seeded Arizona State, Washington, Stanford, LSU, and Oregon, along with in-state rival Weber State in that field at the Stockton Regional. 81 teams uh, made the regional field. The top five from the Stockton uh, Regional and the top individual from a non-advancing team will move on from that regional to Scottsdale, Arizona to compete for the NCAA Division I Men's Golf Championships May 27th to June 1st at Greyhawk Golf Club. Any of you know anything about Greyhawk Golf Club? It's one of the more picturesque and stunning uh, landscapes in golf. So a big opportunity for BYU men's golf. Bruce Brockbank talked about it. It's one of their goals. They narrowly missed out on making the regional last year. Hopefully BYU can go down there and have a good showing. They're ranked number 45 in the country. So be a bit of an upset if they were to make the NCAA championships. That's why you tee it up. You got to go out there and give yourselves a shot. And also one other note, congratulations to senior Carson Lundell for his third straight All-WCC season. He was named to the All-WCC men's golf team earlier this week for a steady play throughout the fall and spring. So good things happening for BYU men's golf, and best of luck to them as they get ready for the NCAA regionals. So there you go. You are now up to date on everything you need to know about BYU sports. Coming up on tomorrow's show, we round out the week with some notes on BYU football. Uh, a conversation I had with somebody who's more than know on the college uh, just overall plane of sports and football in particular. And the NCAA is considering giving a carte blanche ability to programs to have as many coaches as they want, also allowing non-revenue sportsmen golf, softball, baseball, to have full cost of attendance scholarships, no limit on those if they want to do that. What would that mean for BYU and other universities? I had a great conversation with somebody who can ex- who will explain more of that to me. I'll try and break it down more in detail on tomorrow's show. We'll also get to everything else that's happening in BYU sports and obviously preview the weekend ahead for BYU sports that are it, all the teams in action this coming weekend. So we got a lot to cover, so join us again tomorrow. Thank you once again for making us your first listen of the day. Always appreciate your guys' patronage. And I hope you guys have a great rest of your day whenever you hear this. This has been the Locked On Cougars podcast for May 5th, 2022. Happy Cinco de Mayo, folks. See ya.